بسم الله الرحمن الرحیم لا حول ولا قوت الا بالله العلی العظیم الحمد لله رب العالمین و صلی الله علی سیدنا و نبینا ابرقاسم المصطفی محمد و علی آله الطیبین الطاهرین لا سیما بقیت الله فی الارضین Alhamdulillah, we are starting our session on Tafsir of Surah Luqman, Reflections on Chapter Luqman. And as you remember, in the previous session, we talked about the verses which relate to the people who do not appreciate divine communications and instead of accepting instructions given by God the Almighty benefiting from the wisdom in these communications they show all the attention and indeed they are even ready to pay for those words which are useless, which are idle, which are not helpful, like haram singing. So we talk about these two verses, verses 5 and 6, and then in the verse 7, Uh, verse uh, 6 and 7 and then, then in the verse 8 Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala starts talking about the opposite group the people who are good and do righteous deeds uh, and it is interesting that Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala here mentions the people who are good this brings a kind of balance to our mind in the sense that if we were just talking about bad people then automatically it would leave some negative impact on our mind but Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala immediately after talking about these people talks about good people and this brings positive energy to our mind to our heart as soon as you hear about good people about their good behavior and about the good destiny that they have in heaven then it brings positive energy so allah subhanahu wa ta'ala says a'udhu billahi minash shaitanir rajim innal ladina amanu wa amilu salihat lahum jannatun na'im khalidina fiha Truly those who have faith, Amen, those who believe, those who have faith, those who submit in their heart to the truth and then commit themselves to that, and show this commitment to the truth and this submission in the heart by 
actions. Amilu salihat. They do righteous deeds. The actions which are good and performed with good intention. This is very important. Amal salih. A righteous deed is the action which is good by itself and is done by a good person with a good intention. In Islamic ethics, moral philosophy, we distinguish between two aspects of every action. The goodness of the action and the goodness of the doer or the agent. Both are needed. For example, sometimes a person is doing something with good intention but the action is wrong. For example, my intention is to give you water because you are thirsty. But if God forbids, instead of giving you water, I give you something which is poison or which is dirty without my knowledge. So this action of giving this poisoned liquid to you is not a good action in itself. It doesn't have goodness of the action, what we call husn fi'li. Although my intention is completely good, I just want to serve you, want to help you. In many cases, people give advices, even religious advices to others with good intention, but because they are not qualified, they just misguide people. So what is the problem here? Is that the action is not well studied, is not a good action. The other requirement is that the doer must also have some goodness. Sometimes I do something which is by itself good, but my intention is not good. For example, I give water which is clean, which is fresh, which is nice to a thirsty person. Okay, so the action is very good. But my intention is not pure. My intention is to attract attention of the people towards me, to say, this person is, mashallah, a very good person. They praise me. Or, for example, you know, I do something for a community so that I get the vote of the community. I want to become, for example, a member of the city council or, a, I don't know, member of parliament. So I do something good. I help the poor. I try to improve, uh, to promote and improve education, family life, but just to get the vote. Or sometimes I'm showing off. So the action may be good, but there is no husna fa'ili. There is no hus, there is no goodness. In the doer. And these are different levels. This is a very important discussion in Islamic ethics. In any case, what I want to say is that Amalus Saleh, from a Quranic perspective, is the action which is done 
exactly according to the realities, according to the facts, its appropriate action, and it's performed by a good person, a person who has good intention. So, Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala says, إِنَّ الَّذِينَ آمَنُوا وَعَمِلُوا الصَّالِحَاتِ Those who have faith and do righteous deeds, لَهُمْ جَنَّاتُ النَّعِيمِ For them will be gardens of bliss. They have the gardens of bliss. The gardens in which they enjoy themselves, in which they are happy, they are prosperous. They can celebrate their success in their worldly life. And then Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala says, خَالِدِينَ فِيهَا They are going to remain in those gardens forever. It's not something temporary. You know, to be in a place that you know you are going to live. It doesn't give you tranquility. It doesn't give you peace of mind. If you go to a very good house, but you know that it is for a short time, then you will be worried. Or if you are even unsure, am I going to remain here or not? They are going to ask me to leave. And still you will be worried. So Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala enables them to enter heaven. And assures them that you are going to remain here permanently. And therefore there is no need to worry. Enjoy yourself here. And never be worried about leaving this place. خَالَدِينَ فِيهَا وَعْدَ اللَّهِ This is a true promise of God. When Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala promises something, definitely it's true. Because Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala never tells lies. Let us reflect why sometimes people do not keep their promises. This is a very important point. And I wish, you know, we had time to talk more about this issue of promise because it is one of the main values in Islamic ethics and indeed any system of ethics has to value keeping promises because this is something without which you cannot have social life. In any case, I don't have time to talk about it that much, but a little bit I want permission from you to talk about this important thing. When we promise someone, sometimes we cannot keep our promise because in the first place we don't think 
about what I am promising. I promise something without calculating, without measuring, without assessing my abilities. Sometimes we promise people without first checking whether I can do it or not, whether I have enough time, enough resources, enough knowledge, enough expertise to help, to do what I promise. This happens many times. People have good intention, but because they are not careful, they easily promise. And then they cannot keep their promises, even if they want. This is one problem. Another problem is that sometimes people make promises just to please the other party. And in their mind and heart, they don't really want to keep the promises. They just want to please that person for the time being. A kind of just cheating, a kind of deceiving that person to get that person's you know approval or to get that person you know do something for them, but they don't have the intention of doing this. This is another problem. So I want you to do something for me right now, and I say I promise I will do this in return. But I just want to make sure that you do this for me, and I don't bother if I do it later or not, or even I may be determined not to do it. Unfortunately, sometimes you know parents make such promises to their children. For example, they want the child do something right now to study, for example to go to bed, and they say, okay, I will do this for you tomorrow. And they never want to do that. And it's very bad. There's a beautiful hadith which says, when you promise your children something, you should keep your promises. Don't say, okay, this is a child. It's not that important. And he's going to forget it soon. No. When you make a promise to your child, you should keep your promises. And there is something very beautiful in Hadith which says, Your children look at you as the Lord. They look at you as if you are the God. They don't have anyone else other than you. A little kid looks at his or her mother or father as his Lord or her Lord. And if you disappoint the child, if you don't keep your promises, what can that poor child do? His or her heart will be broken. And there is no other place for him or her to go for asking help or to ask for some kind of justice. It's only you that that person has. So, it's very important. You know, this is the mercy of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. And indirectly, He's telling us, this is the way I treat you. When He says to us, 
keep your promises that you have made to your children because they consider you as their Lord, it shows that He, more than anyone else, is aware of how much we need Him and how much we hope and trust in Him and how much He is going to help us because He knows we don't have anyone else other than Him. So, sometimes, unfortunately, people make promises and their intention is not to keep it. Another problem, the third type of problem, is sometimes people make promises and they are honest. They have studied also, so they realize that this is what they can do. For example, according to my assessment, I can commit myself to give this amount of time every week or this amount of money every month, for example. I calculate, I think, and then I commit myself and I, my intention is to keep my promise. But then later something happens that stops me. The situation is changed. My time is not that much, you know, available. I become ill, for example, or busy or whatever, or, for example, my financial situation is no longer good. And then I am there with a promise, but the situation is changed. Of course, a believer, a mu'min, when he has made a promise, he makes his best. He just not simply go and say, sorry, the time is changed. Sorry, the market is not going well. The business is not that much, you know, good. No, he will do his best to keep his promise. But in the end, we are human beings and we are weak. Sometimes, despite all the efforts, we may not be able to keep our promises. Although we were sincere and honest in the first place. So you see, there are different possibilities. But what about Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala? Is it possible to think that Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala would not keep his promises? Is it possible to think that he just promises something to please us without having intention to keep his promises? No. Is it possible that he says something and then he loses his power? No. Is it possible that he says something that he cannot do it? No. So there is no reason at all for thinking that God the Almighty may not keep his promises. His promise always comes true. The Prophet Nuh said to Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala this is the story of the son of Noah. I don't want to enter into that story. But this very sentence is very important for us. He said, Your promise is always true. And here Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala says, This is the promise of Allah which is true. When he says that the people who have faith and do righteous deeds will go to heaven and remain there forever, this is definitely true. He means this, he is absolutely honest, and he has all the means and resources to do what he promises. 
And therefore, you see, Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, right after this, says, وَهُوَ الْعَزِيزُ الْحَكِيمُ He is the one who is Aziz, and inshallah I will explain it, and Hakim. If you reflect on these two qualities, that he is Aziz and Hakim, then you would realize why he has promised in the first place to send such people to heaven, and second, why he keeps his promises. So these two qualities which are mentioned at the end of the verse, وَهُوَ الْعَزِيزُ الْحَكِيمُ are very important. Because they can explain why Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala sends the righteous people who have faith to heaven to remain there forever. And this promise is true. Okay. Now let's see what is Aziz and what is Hakim. Aziz comes from the root Izzah. إِنَّ الْعِزَّةَ لِلَّهِ وَلِرَسُولِهِ وَلِلْمُؤْمَنِينَ عِزَّة means honor, means dignity. But, in Arabic, عِزَّة is a type of honor which is linked to power. It's very important. Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala is Aziz, meaning that he is powerful, he is never defeated. Aziz is the one who can make sure that he would win all the time. No one can defeat him. He can implement what he wants. This is the meaning of Aziz. If Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala was not powerful, was not strong enough to do what he wants, then his honor as our Lord would go away. He is Aziz. Not only that he is dear. No, no. It's much more than that. Not only in the sense that he is honored. No, much more than that. This is a kind of honor and dignity which is linked to power and ability to win all the time. Of course, then such a person would be always honored. So Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala is able of carrying out what he wants. There is no problem that he may decide to do something and then there are other people who stop him, who defeat him, who force him to change his ideas. No. He's always winning. He's always victorious. And he is also Hakim. He's also wise. He doesn't just have power. There are people who have power, but unfortunately they are not wise. Therefore, despite having power, they are not always successful. They are not always using their power in the best possible way. 
Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala is Aziz and at the same time Hakim. He is all-powerful. He is never defeated. He is Almighty and at the same time He is the wise. It's amazing. If you know, we reflect on these qualities of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala and try to apply them as much as possible to our own personal life, then our life would be dif absolutely different. Try to have all the means, all the types of power and strengths, and at the same time be very wise. You know, sometimes, for example, when we don't have, just, you know, I give you simple, simple examples. For example, if I don't have that much money, then I try to be very economical, I try to be very wise in my expenditure of money. But if I have plenty of money, I don't bother. Then I start wasting money, or I start, you know, putting money in different, you know, businesses which are not, for example, you know, useful. Why? Because I'm not worried that I may become bankrupt. Or, for example, you know, when there are many people who support me, I don't bother about my behavior. I don't that much watch my words or my actions, because I know that I have so much supporters, so, so many supporters, so much power. I don't bother. And this is wrong. Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala is Aziz. At the same time, He is wise. He never says something, He never does something in vain. Although He is never going to become bankrupt. But every single action, every single word, of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala is well studied. It is done in the best possible way. Hakim. Very firm and solid. Right to the point. After exhausting all different types of possibilities studying them Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala makes his choice of the words his choice of the actions his choice of sending prophets his choice of the ways to support the good people or defeat the bad people Hakim is the wise of course when I say Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala studies, it doesn't mean that Allah needs time, Allah needs a computer or for example, you know, uh, a group of people, you know, to uh, study for Him. He knows everything without being in need of using means and instruments. It's clear, you know all that. So, Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala is telling us that don't be at all in doubt about whether I am going to keep my promise or not. Because you think that I may not be able to do it or because I said something which was not, you know, really meant or really decided studied properly, I just said something to make you happy or make you motivated. No. 
I am Aziz and I am Hakim, Allah says. I am able to do whatever I have promised and my promises all are said, all are made wisely. Enough, this is enough to make us 100% sure about Allah's promises. Unfortunately, what happens is that Shaitan comes to us and tries to make us doubt about Allah's promises. And he makes counter promises. And you know, you wonder why we human beings sometimes are so ignorant and so unwise that we listen to shaitan and trust him when he promises us and na'udhu we don't trust Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala on the day of judgment when people blame shaitan shaitan would tell them do not blame me blame yourself do not blame me. Lumu and Fusakum, blame yourself. And then one of the things that he says is that I made promise and God made promises to you. You listened to me and you didn't listen to God. So you must blame yourself. Of course, Shaitan has to accept that he is responsible for deceiving us. Okay, that's something clear. But we cannot shift all the responsibility to shaitan. Shaitan is responsible for his bad actions, including deceiving us. But I am also responsible if I follow shaitan. Shaitan says, I made promises and God made promises. Why did you listen to me? I didn't have any power to force you. I didn't have any authority over you, any power to force you to listen to me. I just made promises. I just encouraged you to do bad things. The problem is inside you. The problem is that when Allah told you that I am going to reward you, for example, you know, in future, and I told you I am going to reward you by quick and instant pleasure of doing something wrong, you preferred my way of rewarding. You wanted something very quick. You wanted a pleasure which is coming soon. You didn't want to wait till you would have a permanent pleasure. So, this is your choice and you have to be accountable and responsible for that. In any case, what happens to us is that Shaitan all the time is promising us using different techniques 
And it's not that shaitan actually himself comes and speaks to us, but shaitan can inspire bad things to our heart or can speak through people, even through my own soul, to me. But in the end, all coming from wrongs, you know, origin. And on the other hand, Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala and his prophets and his friends have always made promises that if you, li- if you live a pious life, you would enjoy. You would not suffer. You would enjoy in this world and the hereafter. It's not only something which happens in the future. Of course, the main reward would be in the hereafter because this dunya is not capable for seeing your reward completely. But still you would see lots of reward in this world. You would start feeling the light of faith and righteous deeds in this world. As the Quran says, أَوَمَنْ كَانَ مَيْتًا فَأَحْيَيْنَاهُ وَجَعَلْنَا لَهُ نُورًا يَمْشِي بِهِ فَالنَّاسِ كَمَنْ مَثَلُهُ فِي الظُّلُمَاتِ لَيْسَ بِخَارِجٍ مِنْهَا is the one who is pious, the one who has faith and does righteous deeds, the people that we are just talking about them now, is the person who has faith and does righteous deeds, and then we gave him a life, and light by which he walks among the people, is like the one who is in darknesses, and not going out, of course they are not the same. So, Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, his prophets, his friends, they have made promises to us. And we should believe them. And we should follow them. We should not follow shaitan. We should not trust his promises. Shaitan makes promises just to deceive us. He doesn't mean what he says. He doesn't want to keep his promises. And he's not able to do what he wants. It is only Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala who can do whatever he promises. So, Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala says, وَعَدَ اللَّهِ حَقَّ وَهُوَ الْعَزِيزُ الْحَكِيمُ Then, I think, Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala is continuing these two lines. الْعِزَّةِ and الْحِكْمَةِ in following verses to convince us that he is Aziz and to convince us that he is Hakim Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala makes the next few verses he talks us about his power and about wisdom about his power Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala refers to the creation of this magnificent world. Which, of course, is only very small part of his creation. This physical world, which is beyond our understanding, still, compared to the entire creation of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, is nothing. The physical world compared to the spiritual world is nothing. But 
even this is the physical world, these galaxies are magnificent. Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala says, خَلَقَ السَّمَاوَاتِ بِغَيْرَ عَمَدٍ تَرَوْهَا وَأَلْقَى فِي الْأَرْضِ رَوَاسِيَ أَنْ تَمِيدَ بِكُمْ وَبَثَّ فِيهَا مِنْ كُلِّ دَابَّةِ وَأَنْزَلْنَا مِنَ السَّمَاءِ مَاءَ فَأَنْبَتْنَا فِيهَا مِنْ كُلِّ زَوْجٍ كَرِيمٍ This shows his power which is manifest in his creation. Of course he refers to the physical world because this is something which is nearer to us. Every human being opens his or her eyes and would see the stars which are shining, the galaxies, the mountains, the rivers. So this is something that everyone more or less can understand. Allah doesn't refer to the angels because this is ghayb. This is not something that everyone can easily understand. Therefore, the creation of skies, the creation of mountains, the creation of animals, the creation of different kinds of plants are mentioned in this verse, which are more understandable for us. And these all are to show that Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala has all the power. He is Aziz. He has all the power. He has created everything. Everything is in his control. And who can replace him? And therefore Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala in the next verse says, Hada khalqullah. This is the creation of Allah. So show me what other people have created. What those you worship other than Allah, what those you, you know, follow other than Allah, what they have created. Of course nothing. So why do you follow other people? Allah says, they are in very clear mistake and error. And the reason is because they are valid. They are wrong words. They are unjust. Okay. I just recited the next two words so that you can reflect and get ready, inshallah, for the next session. So, inshallah, in the next session, we would start with verse number 10 and 11. And, inshallah, if there is time... Then we move on to the next verse, which is about wisdom given to Luqman. So, in the verse 10 and 11, we talk about Allah's power, and then we start talking about the wisdom that Allah gave to Luqman. Allah himself is Hakim, and it is only Hakim who can give Hikmah to someone. So, we will talk about Hikmah of Luqman later, inshallah. So, I stop here. And inshallah, I want to answer to your question as much as possible, inshallah. Thank you for your attention.
Okay, we have uh, some questions left from the last from last week. One was that you mentioned that Prophet Ibrahim submitted to Allah, thus he was Muslim. Therefore, could this be the case for Christian Jews? Of course, uh, every person who submits to Allah Subhanahu Wa Taala, who wholeheartedly obeys Allah Subhanahu Wa Taala, does his best to realize first what he wants, and second, does his best to perform what he wants. He's a Muslim, and uh, this is obvious from the Quran. This is Muslim in a broader sense, which means being submissive to Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. And this is very important. And this is leading towards, inshallah, salvation of the person. If the person does his best to realize the truth, he's not lazy about it. And then, when he finds the truth, or what after efforts he thinks to be the truth and then he commits himself to that with pure intention of pleasing Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala then inshallah this person would have chance for having a, a pleasant life inshallah in the hereafter question two from last week. Very nice, mashallah. I learned so much. Can you please explain how we prepare ourselves, our knowledge into action and consistency to taste the deliciousness of Iman? Yes. You know, these uh, questions like these are very important practically. Because in theory, I don't think we have that much problem. Of course, we have always to learn more. But to begin with, we already know many things. But as this person, this brother or sister has put, what should we do to prepare ourselves so that we practice what we know? This is important. The main thing that we need is determination. It's willpower. And this, in my limited understanding, in my humble understanding, is dependent on several factors. One is reflection. If I know I need to do something, why shouldn't I do it? For example, if I know that without studying, I'm not going to learn. Without working, I'm not going to earn. Without spending time on education of my children, Islamically, secularly, they are not going to become good people, useful people. If I know all these things, without piety, I cannot achieve anything. If I know all this, why then I stop doing them? Why I stop acting accordingly? This is unwise. Sometimes, you know, because we are lazy, we think that things are going to happen you know, automatically, as if there is someone else who is working for us. If you need the results, you have to work. This is something very obvious, but unfortunately in practice we forget, we ignore. So we need to reflect on this all the time, remind ourselves that this is the only way to succeed. 
The other thing which is very helpful in increasing our determination is to look at good people. When you look at people who are working hard, who are serious, you get energy. You realize that this is not only you, there are many people who have already preceded and you can follow them. You would be encouraged. The other thing is to have mutual advice. If you see that I'm not that doing that much well as a brother, as a sister, very nicely, very kindly, give me advice. Sometimes you need to awaken your brother and sister in a very nice way, of course. Reflecting on the verses of the Quran which gives promise or threat also would increase our determination. Thinking about our death and the limited time that we have would increase our determination. So we have to increase our determination. The next question from last week. Whenever I read a verse of the Holy Quran, sometimes I find it very hard to remember. Why is that? Is there a dua I can recite to have a better memory? Okay. Of course, there are some du'as which you can recite for increasing your memory. But sometimes maybe the reason that you cannot remember the verse is that maybe uh, you don't know Arabic and you used translations and then different translations at different times or even different, you know, copies of the Quran. It's very important that if you get used to one copy of the Quran, you can consult, you know, other copies of the Quran, other translations, but choose one of them to be with you all the time and always read from that one because gradually your mind gets used to that even to the location of the verses in the pages. And if you reflect on the verses that you read, and uh, your intention must be more understanding and implementation than just recitation, then inshallah gradually you would uh, remember more. And also, if you ask Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala all the time you know, to enable you to remember Quran, because in the end, we all are in need of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala support. And inshallah also for du'as, for memory, you know, there are some du'as in Mafati. For example, you know, uh, there is du'a which is recommended to be recited after every daily prayer. And inshallah I will try to maybe post it uh, to you for the next session, inshallah, if I don't forget which is recommended after every daily prayer, inshallah. The next question which has come during the week is, if a person gives some money to someone to work with this investment and then give the investor some money as the interest of that money, what's the opinion of Islam about it? Okay. Uh, if the person who borrows money Uh, is forced to pay extra and this is fixed then this is a problem for example if I give you some money one thousand dollar to work 
is a kind of investment. And then we say, okay, you go and work, and whatever you earn, we divide. For example, 30% for me, or 30% for you, or 50% for me, 50% for you. This is fine. I'm talking in principle, if other problems are not you know, involved. Just the fact that I have given you some money, and we have fixed some percentage, this is fine. But if you don't make any money, that's you know, not a problem. But if I force you, that no matter what you are going to do, no matter whether you are going to make profit or not, you must give me this amount of money. I gave you $1,000, I want from you every month $100, or every month $200, or every month $1 extra. This is not accepted. Because you have fixed the amount, regardless of the, whether that person is going to make any profit or not. So, this is basically the idea. If you need more, of course, please check, you know, with the uh, manual of your marcha. The next question, again, came during the week. Is it necessary to wash yourself after using the restroom? What is Islam opinion about using paper after the restroom? Is the person who uses the paper dirty? Yeah. Okay, again, in the manual by your marja you can check but i give you know the answer you know very quickly if you want to uh, clean yourself the best thing is to use water and indeed one of the things that the quran uh, praises the people of masjid quba for is that Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala says There are people there who seek purity. And this was of course purity of heart, but also according to some hadith, purity of body, because they used to use water. So, basically this is the best way, but normally our marajas say that depending on the reason that, you know, uh, you have lost your tahara, then uh, sometimes you need to use water. For example, for urine, you need to use water. You cannot use paper. But for the other type, you, uh, what uh, paper sometimes you know is enough. Depending if, if for example, it's not has made dirty other places, you know, more than usual. So details you can find, you know, in the rasala. But uh, this is the main thing. Based on your discussion on keeping a promise, a lot of times we say inshallah to a person when they ask for something, but inside our heart we know we are not going to do it. But we say inshallah, so we don't hurt the person. What is your thought on this? Yes. I think uh, this is um, very clear that if you don't want to do something, you shouldn't say inshallah. Insha'Allah should be said by the person who wants to do something but because he knows that he is a human being and he is in, you know, always need of Allah's help 
So he says, inshallah. Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala says in the Quran, وَلَا تَقُولَنَّ لَشَيْءٍ أَنِّي فَاعِلٌ ذَلِكَ غَدًا إِلَّا أَنْ يَشَاءَ اللَّهِ Never say, I'm going to do this certainly tomorrow, except if God wills. So you must always say, God willing, inshallah. So, inshallah is to be said by someone who wants to do something, and is asking Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala to leave him, to bless him to do this. But if I don't want to do something, I shouldn't say inshallah. But, if the other person realizes that my inshallah just means maybe, let's see. You know, sometimes we say inshallah and it means let's see. Then it is not haram, it is not a lie. But it is, I think, misuse of the word insha'Allah. So we should try to change our usage of insha'Allah. So we shouldn't say insha'Allah in the sense of, let's see. Or maybe. We should try to use it in the right, proper way of usage. And that is to say that God willing. That means that I want to do this. I do my best. But in the end... I am a human being, I have no control over even myself, so I ask Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala to help me do it, inshallah. The next question, what is the real value under Islamic ethics to give the charitable causes with money earned illegally or unethically, even when the results are good and beneficial to humanity? If there are more questions, okay, then... Uh, this was a message for me. Okay, the question stops here. So, what is the real value under Islamic ethics to give the charitable causes with money earned illegally? Okay. As I explained, Amal Saleh is the action which is good by itself and done with good intention and a pious intention. If I earn some money from haram, for example, from usury, or if I steal money from someone, then I spend it on good causes. This is not amal saleh. It is true that you have spent it in good causes, but this money was not earned in a pious way. So, Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala says in the Quran, إِنَّمَا يَتَقَبَّلُ اللَّهِ مِنَ الْمُتَّقِينَ He only accepts from the pious people. So, it's not only the physics of the action which is important. It is the reality of action which can only be understood as a link between the doer and the action. That reality is important. You know the story of the person in the time of Imam Sadiq who was praised you know, by some people that this man is very very good person, very helpful and Imam Sadiq watched him and realized that this person went to a bakery and stole two pieces of bread, two loaves of bread and then he went to another place to a grocery shop and you know stole two fruits and then gave them, you know, to a person who was needy when he visited him. And 
Imam Salam went asked him, you know, what did you do? He thought that he's very clever, more clever than Imam Sadiq. So he said, don't you know that Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala says in the Quran that whoever does something good, he would be rewarded ten times. And whoever does something wrong would be only punished once. So I did four wrong actions, but I gave all as a sadaqah, as a charity. So four in ten becomes forty. Minus four, thirty-six. So I have earned thirty-six hasana. Imam said, No, you didn't read Quran carefully. Quran says, You have stolen properties of people and your charity is not beneficial for you you will not be rewarded with by this and indeed you gave haram to an innocent person this is an extra crime that you have made a person who didn't know now you are feeding him with haram you are giving sadaqah with haram. So, if there are people who have earned money which is from haram, what they have to do is they have to speak quickly to the marja or to the wakil of marja and find out the best way to get rid of the burden of this haram. You cannot just simply give it to someone else, to some innocent person. There are many different, you know, possibilities. Sometimes you know who is the real owner of the haram. Sometimes you don't know. Sometimes, you know, uh, it's possible to get permission to pay uh, as charity, as Raddam Madhalem. There are different possibilities. You have to check, please, with your marja or with your... Uh, reliable local alim so that he tells you you know what to do and sometimes you need to seek permission from a mujtahid so inshallah uh, all can be done but uh, it's not something simple that i give it to someone else of course when i say it's not that simple for sure it's clear that it doesn't mean just keep it in your pocket you know sometimes when we say it doesn't you know benefit to just give charity then people say okay i keep it in my pocket and i use it my for myself because it's not going no this is not the solution this is even worse so the solution is to find out the best way to get rid of this money in the way that your burden uh, will be no longer you know heavy with this the next question, yesterday was the shahada of Imam Hassan alayhi salam and we are told that Imam drank the poison given by his wife, he knew about it, yet drank it, it's like committing suicide. Okay, this question is a common question about certain Imams who were poisoned because you know that none of our Imams who passed away I mean 11 Imams who all passed away none of them was killed uh, sorry was, uh, none of them died naturally they were all killed they were all killed either by sword or by poison so some of our Imams more than one they were poisoned 
was imam supposed to use his knowledge to save his life so imam knows for example that is a poison food or fruit does imam have to use his knowledge to protect himself and if he doesn't do that is this a suicide the answer is that Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala indeed gives this type of knowledge to Imam, knowledge about the things that uh, are very broad. I, I don't say Imams know everything because there are few items that Allah keeps it for himself. No one knows, no prophet, no one. Like for example, when is the day of judgment? It's only Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala who knows. Or when is the time of the appearance of Imam Zaman. But many, many things are known to the prophets and Imams. But the reason Allah gives them this knowledge is because they are trusted. Because they have this magnificent ability that they know what they can act naturally. This is very important. You know, me and you, if we know that the person who is in front of us has said something bad about us, our behavior would change. Even if I know that this person is going to do something against me after 10 years, right now my behavior would change. But Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala gives knowledge to the prophets and imams because Allah knows that these people are not going to change their behavior with the people based on this knowledge. If they meet their killer who is going to kill them later, they are not going to kill him immediately to prevent that. And if you think carefully, you would realize that indeed, this is the only way that it can work. Because if these people, when they know that that person is going to kill them, if they want to stop this, it makes no sense. The knowledge that they have is the knowledge of what is going to happen definitely. So they have to be just patient and they should not interfere. Of course, this needs uh, more discussion, and hopefully, maybe sometime, you know, we can have, you know, some whole session on this. Inshallah, if I don't know if the, you know, we would have some time for uh, martyrdom or birth anniversary of imams. Maybe we can talk about this. But I hope you know what I said would be enough for the time being. Okay, the time is over. And we have more questions. I thank you very much for your questions. But if you don't mind, let us leave the remaining question, inshallah, for the next session. And I hope that, inshallah, Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala would bless you, bless your families, your communities, help you, let you be more familiar with the Quran, inshallah. And please, you also pray for me that, inshallah, Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala enable me to be more familiar with the Quran and to 
get the fragrance of the Quran and the light of Quran, inshallah, on ourselves and our family, inshallah. Thank you very much. May Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala be with you all the time. وآخر دعوانا أن الحمد لله رب العالمين.